Hey everybody, it's Kev here. You may notice this episode's a little bit shorter, and that's because recently I just have not had enough time to put into recording and editing due to some really awesome and, and incredibly positive life events that have uh, come up in the last few weeks. But I didn't want this episode to go to waste. It's actually from a previously recorded uh, session that I, I couldn't use due to some technical issues. Luckily, I was able to save the first half of the conversation. It's with my good friend, Diana. And on, uh, we weren't able to get to the uh, last song that you heard portion. So this is just going to be the normal interview about her uh, background when it comes to musical taste and experiences with music. You'll actually hear it lead up to the last song that she heard. I'm, I'm going to actually play a little bit of it at the end of the episode just so you can get a taste of that song. I highly, highly, highly advise you check out not only the song, but the music video that is associated with it as well. I really hope you enjoy this episode. I had a lot of fun recording with Diana, and I know I'm going to have her back sooner rather than later to get a full episode out. As always, thanks for listening. I appreciate you coming back every week. Moving forward, this should not be an issue. I'll be settled by the end of this week, so I'll be able to record, edit, and I have all that time to do all the cool things for this podcast. Have a great rest of the week, and thanks again. Bye. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Last Song You Heard podcast. I am your host, Kevin Sharkey here, uh, bringing you another hopefully awesome episode. No, of course, it's going to be amazing. I have my friend Diana here, who I'm actually going to introduce in a second, so don't say anything just yet. She's looking at me like she's so ready to speak. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay, Diana, you can, you can go ahead and say hello. Hi! It was very weird. I'm like, you have permission to speak now. <laughs> no, hey, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, we uh, uh, we got so excited talking about the music. The last song that you heard that we almost started talking about it before even recording. So, uh, which I think is something that all of us kind of we all end up just talking about music anyway. So it, it was pretty natural right. as far as that goes. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Good. Awesome to hear. Thank you. Thank you so much again for coming on. So for anyone who's just tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast where I go through um, with a friend, you know, uh, at least initially, stuff about their musical history, things that they like, that they don't like, funny stories, all that fun stuff. And then we go into literally the last song that they heard. And we discussed that. Uh, so pretty straightforward, pretty great. And I'm sure if you are uh, have already listened to the previous episodes, you're probably annoyed that I have to remind you every single time. But just in case you forgot, that's how the show goes. So just to jump into things here. So Diana, uh, why don't you tell, obviously we know each other very well, but um, I guess from a music standpoint, and this is a, a question I ask everybody, What's your earliest like memory of music, like song? Like, is there like I know I, I've given this example a ton of times. Like Michael Jackson's Thriller is like my first, or ACDC. Um, they're like my first like memory of music because my parents had their records. But like for so for you, what would you say is like your first time, like first song that you can think of that you heard? I think the fir very first song I've ever heard of was probably like thinking back to it. It was in the early '90s. We were my I was still living um, at my parents' house in Northeast Philly, 
and my parents were both um, immigrants, so they didn't know much about the American culture and what they played over the radio. The only thing that I ever heard in English was what played on the radio, and they always had classic rock on, and I believe the very, very first song I could ever think of was from the Beatles. Nice. Actually. Nice. I can't think I can't think of the name of the song, but it's they they played constantly over the radio and like as I grew older and I recognized the lyrics mm-hmm. and met other friends that were also into that same music in middle school, I found out it was the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like the Beatles is like such an entry point for so many people. Like I mean they're Love him or hate him, and and actually on the first episode, uh, Phil, my buddy, um, he his favorite band is the Beatles. We actually ended up the first episode is less this podcast and a, and a, and more a totally different one where we just talk about the Beatles for a whole episode. Right. Um, and I know I'm a pretty big fan of them. They're undeniably one of, the, in my opinion, one of the best bands of all time. Just because I mean, come on, they're the fucking Beatles. Like, well, yeah, I'm there with you. I'm yeah. there with you. But um, no, that's really cool. I I it's funny. I I I've when people like talking with you know uh, our friends and and people our age it's always like yeah i remember listening to like classic rock music and it's like but that was just rock music like that was it's right now classic. It, is, it is now classic i feel like our parents i mean god willing my parents will never hear this podcast <laughs> but um they'll be like what the fuck that was you're just talking about our music there's nothing <laughs> classic about it but i will say kind of a tangent recently i was listening to it might have been like MGK or something like that, and no joke, um, like Nir- it was like Nirvana, and then like another '90s like punk, like pop punk band was played on a classic rock station, and I went, "Holy shit!" Like that's happening now. Like the bands that we grew up with are now slowly turning into that. I feel like it's a little bit. Great. I heard a Blink One Eighty Two song referred to as like a classic rock song. Get out! And I was like, "Shut up!" Like that's <laughs> not like. So, um, but no, that's awesome. So, so through that, like, so from beyond that point, um, I'm always curious about like growing up, like what was your go-to music? So, um, like for me, it was a lot of like, uh, whatever was on the radio at that time. And then as I got a little bit older, it was like late nineties, like hip hop. And then like Blink-182 were like my favorite band and could, well, not my favorite band anymore, but like, so stuff like that, like, so tell me a little bit about the journey Okay. Yeah. So it started off similar to you, what mm-hmm. had played on the radio. And I feel like as I was going through middle school and high school, my tastes in music were, I would say, probably getting a little bit more diverse than what they were. So I started with your regular radio music and then transitioned out from listening to literally what's pop, consider, I guess, considered pop radio um, to alternative rock music. Mm-hmm. So listening more to Radio 104.5 and then from there, I think finding more obscure artists and then at the same time, not moving too far from the radio scene. So I think like a song that I can remember when we were younger, um, it might be Cascade. I'm trying to think of the name of the song that Mm. played on the radio. Some Cascade song, but it Mm -hmm. was very poppy, really dancey. Gotcha. And it transitioned to me... um, from late high school years starting to listen to more electronic music and one this one time we were hanging out with my friends and randomly someone played bass head oh. by bass nectar my first dubstep song that's li- my first dubstep song ever mm-hmm. i'm like I, I i heard it for the first time 
I told to everyone to shut up. I'm like, what did I just listen to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, actually uh, just the previous guest from last week, Colin. Um, I, I remember sitting in our in Jay's basement. Uh, Jay is someone who hopefully will be on the podcast one day if he ever gets his ass back here from Ohio. Um, and we were sitting there, and Colin is like, "Yo, I just heard." This like you got to hear this new thing, and it was like the like I I feel like I've never experienced that before where it was like oh shit um where it was like the scene in Back to the Future where what's his name Marvin Berry is like on the phone and he's like you got to hear this stuff and yeah. like and it's like this like new thing and and he put basshead on and I remember we were all like what what is this like it's I've never heard of anything nothing like, nothing like it's, that it's actually funny because I was just listening to Bass Nectar's newest mixtape. Um, today it's really good. I'm actually not a very big bass nectar fan at all, but I had a really good time. I can vouch for that. Kev is not. <laughs> Kev is not. I'm very vocal because, and it's kind of me being an asshole. Like I'm always <laughs> just like I don't get it. But then I always I'm like he was my first uh, dubs like any like I, other than like Daft Punk when I was like in high school and stuff. But like I feel like they've transcended yes all of that. Um, I feel like and, I'm also still a huge fan of Daft Punk too. Of course, so yeah. I, I mean I love Daft Punk. So good. They're number one on my bucket list of uh, groups I have to see live. They're literally. Yes, I me would, too. I, I was talking to Andy on this show, and I was telling him like I would literally travel probably across the world at this point to see Daft Punk if if money was you know it made sense. But um, I, I will say I feel like a lot of us you know in our generation kind of have that similar trajectory where it was like. You know, like the whatever's on the radio, you know, pop punky, alternative stuff in emo music, which I know, I, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself and some of, you know, our friends. And then slowly moving into the electronic music stuff, which yes. I feel like. Is, I was there too, Kev. I was there too at that point. Everyone hit that. And I feel like it's slowly pulling back a little bit. I think we've hit a point where, you know, people are just like, I got to take a break. Like, <laughs> I need a breather, man. But what would you say? Because I can think of, I, I credit Blink-182's Dude Ranch album as like the album that turned music for me. Like I went from just like Hootie and the Blowfish and like whatever other stuff. And like Blink-182's Dude Ranch was like the first album that I was like, oh shit, like this is the album to pay attention to. And it opened up all the music that I, I credit that album specifically with like all of my musical taste moving forward. Do you have like a specific, like the linchpin for like all of your musical taste, would you say? I know that's a really, really hard question to answer. Lynchpin. Can you define lynchpin? So, like, whatever set off, like, your... From going from just, like, a casual music fan to, like, a straight-up, like, I, oh. like... Oh, oh, yes. I could. If we're still talking about Bass Nectar, the, yes. You could talk about whatever it is. Yes. Yeah. It, bass Nectar. All right, so mm-hmm. Bass Nectar, which eventually evolved into, like, the whole electronic scene. Mm-hmm. So my first show ever... Um, aside from seeing like Rihanna and like Boys Like Girls when I was in like seventh or eighth grade. Wow, Boys Like Girls. Yes. <laughs> I've not heard that name in so long. <laughs> I probably have a couple of their songs on my iPod. <laughs> a little bit embarrassing to admit. No, but no. yes. Yes. So Bass Actor was my first like a lot electronic show ever. Mm-hmm. Like aside from I guess what your typical show would be. And I remember it was like my freshman year of college. It was like towards the it was the day after my birthday. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into until I walked up on the floor that night. Where was it at? It was, they, he played at um, the Leo Chorus Center. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I lived three blocks away from the venue. Mm-hmm. Um, 
coming into it. I think a, it, for one, it was the production value. I've never seen a show put up where there's just beautiful animation mm-hmm. throughout the entire set. The lasers, the lights, the transitions from each songs. Like, because I've only ever heard him play through his albums. Like, I've never heard a live set before that. And so to hear him actually play on stage and watch the transitions and listen to them, it's just a whole entire out of body experience. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny. And, and although I know I've said, like, I'm not that big of a bass nectar fan, he is undeniably amazing live. Um, I've seen him twice. Uh, actually, the first time I saw him, he was kind of underwhelming, but I don't blame him. I blame me uh, and my state of mind at that moment and just being exhausted. And then the second time I saw him, I I missed the beginning of his set, which actually bummed me out. But I was seeing Porter Robinson in my defense, so like I could, oh, yeah. Porter's so good live, yeah. too. So I was like, we're going to catch a little bit of Porter, and then we're going to run over to Bass Nectar. And I was already underwhelmed the year before. It was yes. It's at Electric Forest. So the first Amazing. year at Electric Forest, I went, he was okay. Yeah. The second year, I like walked up, and I was like, fuck, why did we not just come over here in the first place? Oh. And like, I still, to this day, re- regret that, honestly. Like, it was like, because it was really good what we saw. Like, don't get me wrong. But like, I felt like I missed something. Like, I didn't get the full experience or whatever right. it is. And for those listening who don't know who Bass Nectar is, uh, Bass Nectar is he's a, a, a dubstep producer and DJ, if you even want to call him a DJ, um, who's been around forever. I mean, I recently saw a video of him, I think, playing at like Lollapalooza, like back in like 2008. Yes. And it's like, he, oh, yeah. He, he might have He's like, been spinning since like um, early 2000s, actually. Yeah, yeah. And he's become, Bass Nectar is like almost like a, its own genre, I feel like. It's, it's so insane. Lauren is the guy's name, um, and he's, like, built this kingdom of, like, base heads, basically. Like, I don't even know, like... It's a whole little... He's got a whole little gathering of people that are very committed to just... They, they're they just so moved by his music. Yeah. That they'll, they'll have people that'll travel across the country just to see him because he, he used to play, um, he used to do tours, so I used to see him on tour yeah. um, in his early years. Um, and eventually he transitioned to just doing festivals and his own curated events. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. And so during those curated events, a lot of the fans are, he just, it's all of his own. Like no one else is telling him what he can and can't play. Mm-hmm. So he goes, when he does like his multiple night runs, he does like different types of styles each night. He'll do like a down tempo, a dream tempo. And well, yeah, that dream tempo is the mixtape that just came yes. out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, I liken him to kind of like, um, He's that same following that like jam bands do. So like Fish and all them, like you, they'll do like a. And I I feel like it's like people who listen to Bass Nectar are like fuck you, and then people who listen to Fish are also like fuck you for that comparison a little bit. But a little bit. But it, I'm also a fan of both. I was gonna say there is also but a I very love both. there is also an amazing cross section because I feel like everyone who I know who likes Bass Nectar also really happens to like jam bands and stuff like that, which. I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty big fan of some of them as well. But I was going to say, I feel like they're very similar in that, like, you'll see Fish, like, over a weekend. Like, they'll do, like, a couple of sets, and it's, like, always different, and then it's, like, always these things, like, where it's, like, oh, I hope they play this one song that they haven't played in oh, a long yes. time. And, like, Nectar is the same it's exact way. the same experience. And, like, people follow, like, you were saying, follow him across the country, and, like, will, you know, just sit at the rail all day at a festival just to make sure that they're in the front for his sets. Um, and, and, you know, just... 
it's insane. Like, I, again, it, for people who are like, I don't know, like, I recommend just like watching like some videos of his, like from his live sets, because they're un, they're genuinely unbelievable, like from what I've seen. And I, I think the next time, this is like a challenge to myself, but I think the next time you guys go to one of his shows, like I may come with you yes. just to experience it. Cause like, I, I have to. Like, I got to experience the, what, what, what's his big one? Bay Center every year is like. Yes, yeah. he does Bay Center. So that's the one that, um, also super easy for us to travel down yeah, to. Say, We're all the way bit, down in Virginia. Yeah. yeah. So, cause I know like he just had his freestyle sessions in Colorado. Yes. And there was all that stuff that went on with that, with the venue and stuff. Yeah. So he made it work though. He did. Um, and we got that mixtape out of it. Anyway, um, so kind of going back to, I guess, I wanted to focus a little bit on favorites with you. I yes. try to do that with everybody. I know it's kind of being put on the spot, so don't feel like you have to be like number one. I got to think of this number one person, but um, or, or artist. But if you had to pick like one or two artists, like who would you say are your top? Like I think by far one or two. I think one or two is still tough for me. I think I have a top three, three four. Okay. So base next, I've been following him since like 2012. So he's he's up there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, his love eventually. At that time, too, I was so into his specific sounds that this band, Tycho, I also fell in love with them around the same time as Bass Nectar. But the only thing with Tycho is, like, they don't tour that often. They only tour whenever they release an album. And so I've only got, I've seen them, I think I can count on one hand how many times I've seen them live versus Mm. how many times I've seen Bass Nectar live. And eventually, Tycho had evolved into my love for Krangbin, mm-hmm. which is also this like s- transcendent, like psychedelic, funky band, mm-hmm. which I've I've never heard of until Tycho played in Philly and Krangbin actually opened for them. Mm-hmm. So that's how I found out about them. I'm still pissed I missed that show. <sighs> I've never seen Tycho, so it's hey, they're coming around I with Poolside. I think I'm gonna try and go. Yeah, it's definitely. But anyway, sorry, I completely Go. interrupted your. No, 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 like, no, no, no. But um, between the three of them, oh yeah, and um, Tipper. Tipper's always had a, a place great. in my heart too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just had a new album come out. Is Tipper one dude? Tipper's one dude. Okay, I and then all yeah. the artwork and visuals that come with like each album when he plays live, it's all Andrew Jones. That's amazing. But it's all Tipper himself, just one dude. Gotcha. I thought so. I I've never seen Tipper. I've listened to Tipper on and off very casually. So like I I was like I'm pretty sure this is one person. But the music's always so great, and I hear so many amazing stories about the live shows and stuff. So I always was like maybe it's more than one it doesn't matter no it's funny i i actually thought that taiko their new song that was gonna be the song that you wanted to talk about today a little bit of uh, uh behind the curtain here it's not actually on the spot that i figure out what the last song is because that would be <laughs> insanity i was like i honestly almost was like gonna have a bet with myself of like it's gonna either be this taiko song i, I was pro- i was hey, did you listen to the new taiko i have i have, I have listened to it that's hilarious <laughs> I, I have listened to I it i was so ready for uh for that to be it but um so um w- between those because it's you know i guess you said you've seen how many times have you seen bass nectar i've seen him 26 times would you say out of all of them he would have the best live show out of all of them out of those four out of those four no i don't know that's a really hard one i so bass nectar he has a special place in my heart for i think like the like we were talking before the entire production value so Mm -hmm. i'm all about 
the how he animates each of his songs and how he transitions to each of them too not only through the music but also the animations so that's that's one side of things i love taiko just because i almost lose myself in taiko's ambience there's the set I don't, like, I don't know how they did it, but they somehow made the E-Factory the most comfortable place to be. <laughs> and then, like, again, I don't know if, like, if anyone here has, like, been there, but, like, that place, it's, ve- it's very hard to get comfortable in there when they mm-hmm. have a sold-out show there, and it's oh, it's impossible. Yeah. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. I didn't feel cramped in there. It was just so, such relaxing music, and it's a shame because their set just, I, I felt like it flew in Bengal Eye. And then, Krongbin, their set, seeing them live, I think is so different from seeing Tycho and Bass Nectar live because there's no visuals. Mm-hmm. It's just this band where they have lights just shining down on them and they're just grooving and slowly jamming away. And the way that Laura Lee sways and moves on stage, like I almost feel like I'm a part of her on that stage like i almost feel like i'm part of that show mm-hmm. so it's really it's really hard to say no and, and that's okay that is i understand because it's for me i'm the same way where i'm like i try to think of like if i had to think of my top four bands um which i'll never tell anybody um <laughs> no one's allowed to know um i i i'm in like a well that's actually not true because one of them is blink 182 and they're really not good live for the most part so oh man uh, yeah i've I- I've seen, I've, always wanted to see. I've seen them like four. Oh, they don't. What's his name from Alkaline Trio? Um, is part of them now. Tom DeLonge's not even in the band anymore. Oh, what? Matt Skiba is the guy from Alkaline Trio. He sings oh, all of Tom's part. To yeah. Oh, really? This, yes, yeah, this so, is. Like, so three years ago, Matt Skiba joined the band. Tom DeLonge had not been in the band. They released a new album with Matt Skiba, which is like, yeah, there's like one or two good songs. Uh, they're on. They um, and they've had a couple. They just had a newish song come out in the last like month, and it's not good. It's very poppy. Oh my like, gosh. which is fine. Like I'm, I'm right. it's just not for me. I mean, I, I'm saying I am. not good, but like so selfish. Here I'm thinking like, oh yeah, Blink 182's touring again. <laughs> no. They're just playing all the songs I love. No, well, it's it's funny because they're this tour. They're touring with Lil Wayne, um, which way hey, whatever. You know, I like Lil Wayne too. I don't know if those those things are not like chocolate and peanut butter necessarily. But, no, you know, I wouldn't say so. You could work it out. Um, but they're actually doing like an Enema of the State kind of like 20-year anniversary tour. So like they are going to be playing like all those amazing songs, but Tom DeLonge is not in the band anymore. So Matt Skiba, who does not sound like Tom DeLonge, is singing those parts and it doesn't, it doesn't translate as well. Anyway, anyway. Um, speaking on shows though, I am curious... Can you think of like was it that Tycho show? Would you say is your favorite show like that you've ever been to? I or and if not, what what would it be? Because like I feel like that's such an important for like music lovers in general. I feel like it's so important. Oh, like it's almost like you're chasing pick, that dragon all the time too. To like, pick, I think honestly, to pick to pick my favorite absolute show ever. It has to be Bass Nectar. Mm-hmm. So I saw it was when he was still touring. He was playing at the House of Blues in Atlantic City. It wow. was like, um, Oct- like October or November of like 2013. Gotcha. But this venue, Kev, it was so small. I was there, say, yeah. There, there was probably no more than maybe six to eight hundred people in there. <laughs> he easily 
plays to five fifty thousand people. Yes, now. which is crazy to the scale of what mm-hmm. it is today. But this, I remember this man. You could have been standing at the very back of the venue, and you were only twenty five feet away from him. That's insane. It's so so small, and like I think that was the most intimate set I've ever been at to see Bass Nectar. Like yeah. he's. You're probably like one of a few people to be able to say that too, I feel like. Cause I mean, like obviously when he was coming up, I'm sure like some of that happened, but like that's really uncommon. I'm trying to oh, think. Yes. I think I talked to somebody who was like, Yeah, I saw him at the electric factory one time. And even that, I was like, Whoa. Like, yeah, he played in um, um, May of 2013. That's crazy. So that was actually the last time he ever played in Philadelphia at a venue. He played, it was a back to back night, actually. Oh, really? Yes. That makes yep. sense. Well, because he played Main America three years ago. Yes, yes, yeah. which is back, in could, a, right in our backyard. I could hear it from my deck when I lived over on uh, oh, yeah. the, one of my old places. Kev, um, it's so funny. We had actually, we bought the tickets for Main America, but we Nate and I sold our Fridays mm-hmm. and only wanted to go Saturday for Bass Nectar. Yeah. That makes sense. So, I mean, like, I feel like you didn't miss very much, to be perfectly honest. No. Like, that whole... I'm trying to think of, like, who else even played that Main America. Yes. Because I remember... Oh, actually, Modest Mouse. Oh, nice. Yes. Okay. Well... We saw Modest Mouse before Bass Sector, too. How were they? Because I've seen them twice, and I've... Uh, I love them live. First time I saw them, they played the Electric Factory, and it was awesome. I had a really good time. Second time I saw them a little bit, they played with Brand New at the Man Center two years ago, and it was like, I we didn't even go in because we could hear the them playing from outside, and it was like, I, I could have taken a nap, I'm pretty sure. No. They're so, no, and I love, I love Modest Mouths, eh, Mouths, and there's one thing, especially with this podcast, I want to be clear about, it's not like good or bad, like I'm not trying to say like, oh, so, I'm sure there are plenty of people who love that set, but for me, I'm like, they were just so, I was like, I was so underwhelmed, I think, because I had seen them before, and I was like, this is awesome. Like, it's yeah. fucking Modest Mouse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, um, I'm i always curious to hear about what people think about them, because I feel like it gets, a, they get a very, they're very, they can be very inconsistent with their shows. Brand New was great, too, or great. Anyway, as far, I'm trying to think, too, um, like with live shows, because I feel like we've only been to a few, right? Like Karungbin, like to get we like- saw- Actually, Kev, the first time I met you, I believe was at Chami. Um, 20... At the TLA? 15, 16, yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> I, yeah. I remember that show. Yeah. Like, yeah. What a crazy. Because I, I remember he had the whole like choir come out and yes. do his intro. Yes. That was Kev. insane. Yes. That, and that venue. It's it's kind of funny because like he played at the Electric Factory with Mala and stuff like that. Yes, and, like, very it was recently. mostly sold out like when that happened. And then he played Warehouse on Watts recently, which is like very small, but like that was like an intimate show on purpose. But like thinking about Chami at the TLA now is like weird to me because like he could easily sell that out. Like, of and then course, sold. and like that show is insane. I that's insane. I yes. feel, yeah. Well, because I'm trying to think. I think the last show we went to was Krungbin, right? Am I remembering? no? Maybe. Bon Iver. Oh, Bon Iver. Oh, my God. How do- Kev, we, uh, so we, we were together. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got kicked out of the seat next to you guys and then bumped down to my actual seat, which was closer to the stage. Yes. Like, yeah. So we were just trying to keep Kev with yeah. us. By uh, Closer to the stage by like four rows. Uh, by the way, anyone who is listening to this and has ever been like, I might go to that Bon Iver show. Go to that Bon Iver show because you will cry. You will love it. You will think. Yeah, be very introspective afterwards and it's worth every single penny. Except Absolutely. for his show at the Wells Fargo Center that I've already very much said I don't want to go to because of how expensive it's gonna yeah be. no we were it was uh was that the met it was, it was at the met so we were um 
it was kind of a tease actually to have it at an opera house and then for them to announce mm. a Wells Fargo show and I'm like why would we do that no yeah. no and I, it's funny I was actually just talking to Nate uh, and who again future I'm sure he'll be on this podcast at some point if he can fit me into his triathlete oh. accountant schedule um, <laughs> I have no idea whatever um, but I we were texting and I was like dude I was like the nosebleed seats for that show are 25 bucks but that's like the nosebleed seats like what's the point of going and then at like on like the floor seats for that show are like a hundred and twenty dollars yeah and I was like we just saw him at the Met for like 50 bucks yeah like, we did so um I could talk about Pony Bear all day though his did you, those new do. songs are I've heard unbelievable that new song he put out is i i listened to it on friday morning at like seven in the morning when i first woke up because i was oh, like oh beautiful a, a new bony bear song yeah. i didn't even know this was coming out and uh i started crying oh <laughs> and so my i goodness. started my day i was like that's um, so nice such so so beautiful yeah. even if you're listening to them first time around just go see them live yeah absolutely well so I know you mentioned early on when you like some of some of your early music, you were a little bit uh, embarrassed by with like boys like girls and, and stuff like that. But I know like so for instance, like I'm at a point where I know like I listen to everything. We talk frequently about like all the weird shit that we both listen to. But I'm curious, like if I went onto your iPod or whatever, you like what would be the one thing that you'd be like oh i hope he doesn't see my taylor swift album or like oh whatever my gosh like do you have like a guilty i, I have guilty ariana grande i have cardi b on there Amazing. and it's funny <laughs> though because knowing you like it's obviously you're talking about yes. bass nectar and like right. Tipper and like all oh, this yeah. bass music and then like jam bands and 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 krung bin with this like more like psychedelic stuff but that's true. I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of our friends are like that now too. Ariana Grande. Oh yeah, I love her. She's got such a beautiful voice. She's yes. so talented. Yes. Yeah. No, and and, and Cardi B's great. That last album, Kels and I listened to like nonstop. Right? I did too. Nate forcibly did too. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. I can picture the look on his face. <laughs> well, it's funny too because like I was talking to. When I was talking to Colin last week, he's like, oh, guilty pleasures. Like, there's no, and you know how Colin is. He's yes. just very, very sunny and like, you know, like, so I'm trying to get away from saying guilty pleasures, but it is true. Like, I feel like everyone has that, like, oh, yeah. You know, like, they're like, oh, man, like, I hope they don't see my, you know, Backstreet Boys. Um, no, screw that. Backstreet Boys are amazing. They so, are. Yeah. They are. They are. And then as far as physical music, because I feel like it's physical, me- like, records and stuff, isn't until recently hasn't been popular or at yes. least in, what's the last like physical piece of media or like music you bought the last piece of physical media oh um flumes most recent mixtape so oh, nice. his, his um the vinyl was supposed to come out this week actually mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i got an email about it today um that they're back they're um they don't have enough of them produced so they're shocked. back they're back there's um restocking them and I'm expected to get it now. I guess in like the next two weeks, sometime awesome. in the next two weeks. But that thing is amazing. He's he's releasing a new one too. Apparently, I saw like uh, yes, he's like yes, he's, he's like, been like kind of teasing it. There's like doing ad- that cryptic shit. Yes, like where I, I don't think he's outright been like there's something new. He's been like he like changed his profile picture on Facebook. I or saw something. that. Like and everyone's like, what does this mean? And I'm like, what he's prob- probably gonna put out new music. Oh yeah, definitely. It's gonna be that little hints. Yeah, that mixtape, um uh what is it just Hi, it? this is yeah. Flume. It's called Hi, this is Flume. Yeah, that it's 
it's it flows so perfectly i like i don't think there's a bad song on there you know at least in my opinion no i loved it i've listened to that mixtape through and through i could i countless times yeah between like just hanging out the house or going on a run listening it from my commute home from work Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i've listened to it through through and through so much so i've been anticipating this final to come and (laughs) to hear to see that email today i was so upset about it because i knew it was supposed to come this week yeah but it is what it is i mean i know um i know like records wise i feel like i haven't I got to get back on that. It's so expensive, though. And it like, is. Yeah. I, and I also kind of wanted it. I was like, because I have a CD player in my car, but I don't have an aux cord. So, like, because my car is, like, in this oh, weird. Oh, well, you got, like, a cassette player or anything? Nope. That you can, like... No cassette player. Uh, I'm using one of those AM, FM, like, tuner things, like, oh. that you plug into your cigarette former. Oh, oh, it used oh, to be oh. a cigarette lighter right. or whatever. Okay. So, um, but I have a CD player, um, which I've been trying to, there's a, um, a, a, what CD is stuck in there? I have a CD that's been stuck it's in there since two, 2008, I'm pretty sure. Yes. It's an album called By the Matches uh, called Abandoned Hope. It used to be Rick Ross's album, The Teflon Don. How funny would it be if, it was, if that was the one? <laughs> right, yeah. But it, um, I got that one out, and I was like, great. And I can remember putting that CD in, the one that's still stuck in there. And um, it's still there to this day. And I tried to get it fixed, and they told me it would cost more than my car. So, I've been, uh, yeah, so I'm still trying to work that out. And I was going to be that uh, uh, guy who was like, ooh, I'm going to buy CDs again. Or, like, I'm going to, like, do, that's like. That's hilarious. But, no, I'm not doing that. How many that, times have you listened to that album through and through? The Matches album? Yes uh like a bajillion times because like <laughs> i get to a point like if like for a while i didn't have anything on my like i couldn't get my ipod or you know phone or whatever plugged in so i would get sick of whatever was like on the radio and get out and i would just like put on that <laughs> album again and i'm like well i guess we're gonna listen through it again like if, and it's and it, the the shame of it is is i love the matches but that's not even close to their best album like it's like <laughs> like so like I, i'm always like sitting there I'm like fuck i wish i could listen to like decomposer or like when, like it's a good album though i i feel like i'm talking smack on a band that i adore anyway i do want to go into well the, the the last song that you heard i mean it's the whole point of this podcast really so um so let's get into it. I know, you know, I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. I already kind of, I, I, I already know it, but what song are we doing today? So the last song I heard actually was Como Te Quiero by Krungbin. So that is it for this week's episode. I just wanted to give a quick recommendation as I do every episode this week. It's going to be the album Talk Tomahawk by Hiatus Coyote. Previously mentioned on my episode with Jeray, they are an amazing band. It's an amazing album. You should go check it out right now if you already haven't. As always, you can look up the podcast on all the social media sites. It's at The Last Song Pod. And then if you want to email, it's the last song you heard at gmail.com. I'll be back next week with a full episode with a new song and a bunch more stuff to talk about. Have yourself a great week. Bye.